Welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to affect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. Good morning. So that clip that we just saw is from The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. That is one, the, the second of the three-part adaptation from Peter Jackson of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, which uh, the, the novel actually came out before The Lord of the Rings. The, the movies came out after The Lord of the Rings adaptation. And I, I believe, I like to believe that maybe to a lesser degree than C.S. Lewis, but still the same, that Tolkien's imagination was funded by his faith and by his reading of the scripture. Because as we're going to see in a little bit, that his picture of ultimate evil in The Hobbit as, a, as being in the form of a dragon is one that comes from our scripture. So today we're going to talk about slaying those dragons. So that is why we called this message Sleigh Ride. There you go. See, everyone, everyone celebrates Christmas a different way. These movies actually came out around Christmas. But this morning we want to talk about a sleigh ride. And there's a bit of a play on words on that because you have your sleigh ride and you also have sleigh rides that you do in Christmas if you have uh, access to such things. We did not have sleighs where I used to live in Greenville, South Carolina. Because I didn't live there in the 1800s. Right. But what we did have was sleds. So, you know how uh, we had, we had a, one of the snow days that shuts everything down. Now, for you northerners, you're going to be like, what was it like? And it, it was something like, it, it wasn't a lot. Okay, granted, it wasn't a lot of snow that shut us all down. But we took advantage of that, that, uh, that day off from everything we had to do. Me and my friends, I was in my late teens I was the oldest of my three friends, and uh, so that meant that I had all the ideas that everyone else had. To, I, I delegated them to others. They had to do them. I was like, we should do this thing, and they did. And, and so the second oldest is, was my friend Van, who also happens to be now my brother-in-law, that is Christy's brother Van. Uh, he was the daredevil. There's all sorts of stories about him taking bikes into lakes, uh, yeah, crashing golf carts, and uh, yeah. So he was the one. He was like, "You should try this," and he would. And then there was our friend Josh, who was the youngest. who was kind of like, "Yeah, we, yeah, you should do that too." And uh, so one day, it, it snowed in, and we take a plastic sled, and we're trying to come up with some way of making. Because like I said, it's South Carolina. It's not that snowy, but we've got to make something happen. So we're looking for something. At first, we're just taking the kind of this frozen street down, down from my place, and we're sl- it's not really doing anything. I mean, it's a little bit slippery. So we go around hunting for higher, steeper, snowier places to go, uh, to go sledding. We try one little hill. It was okay. Uh, then we see this higher slope covered with snow, and we're like, that's the one you got to do, Van, not me. That's, you should try that. 
So he does. And he takes his sled to the top of the hill, takes it down, grabs, gets momentum, takes it right into a bush. He stays there and the sled just keeps going into the street. It was not my best ideas, but it, it, it was funny to me. <laughs> he took it like a champ. So not all my ideas are great. Some of them, they're better now. Yeah. <laughs> so what we did, my friends and I, is we took a peaceful, snowy winter time in South Carolina, and we added a little bit of chaos a little bit of craziness to it. And a lot of times I think it looks that way when, when things start exerting themselves in our life, that you're having your Christmas, Thanksgiving, holidays with the family, then all of a sudden things just start coming out of nowhere, just like we came out of nowhere to that poor hill in South Carolina, that it seems like the chaos in our lives is just coming out of nowhere. But I would suggest to you this truth that I think a lot of us know that when these things happen, when chaos comes in our lives, that in reality, it is always there under the surface, waiting to show itself, waiting for the right moment to strike. In we could see if we take a step back in our lives, lives, not just individual moments of chaos, individual moments of conflict, individual moments of fighting. If we step back, we will see the bigger patterns in our lives, the bigger things at work, spiritual forces at work. In the book, I think, shows this the best is the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation shows us these images in big pictures, in dragons and ten-headed beasts, people eating scrolls, uh, a uh, a lion that is a lamb with horns that has been slain before the foundation of the world. Big ideas with big pictures. So today's passage comes from Revelation 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. 
Now, for a lot of us, we look at this and we see, what an odd passage. And the book of Revelation is a weird book. It was probably, I think, the last to be added to our canon because people didn't know what to do with this imagery. With dragons and women giving birth standing on the moon. Uh, what, what do you do with this? Well, it might help if we understood that, the Rev- that in Revelation, the Greek word for this is apocalypse. Now, I think... We're used to hearing apocalypse in terms of the end of the world. And there is the end of the world in, in John's revelation. But apocalypse comes from a word meaning to pull back a veil. Apa being the Greek preposition away from. Calypsis being a veil or a curtain. So to have a revelation means to have the curtain of the world pulled back so you can see the world for what it is. Yeah the bigger spiritual realities going on behind the scenes that most of us aren't privy to unless we have revelation eyes given to us. That the way that John of Patmos on this island had this vision, this one vision, it's revelation, not revelations, just for future reference. It is in the revelation he has, he sees the world as it is and as it will be in God's future. So the veil of the earth is taken off. So now he sees this revelation and he sees the conflict for what it is. And a lot of early readers, they, a lot of early readers of Revelation, early interpreters, they looked at this passage about a woman about to give birth, about a beast looking to destroy this future ruler over all the nations. And they say, this looks a lot like what happens with Jesus. Because we know about the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. How while his mother was still pregnant, first she nearly has her fiancé leave her because he believes that he cheated, so he was going to divorce her in, in secret. Then they have to take this journey all the way to Bethlehem because somebody decided he wanted to take a census and see how many people were going to pay taxes. And then we have this passage here from Matthew. At, this happens after the, the Magi, the wise men, come and visit them. When they had gone, the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. So out of memory of this journey to Bethlehem, we, this Advent, we light the rose candle. So John, looking at this story about how Herod was trying to destroy Jesus, saw the spiritual reality. And he said, this isn't just one man trying to kill Jesus. Herod is just an instance 
of something bigger, a bigger spiritual power trying to destroy what God is trying to do in this world. When God is about to birth his salvation at the dawn of grace, Satan is trying to destroy it before it can happen. And John sees this spiritual reality because as Paul writes elsewhere, what we wage against, the fights that we have, the war that we wage against is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities that sometimes manifest themselves within people that we are in conflict with. But the conflict is never against them. It's always against the powers and the principality, the dragons and the serpents behind them. And we see even more so that when Jesus comes to this earth, he comes into an enemy-occupied territory. And by his coming, he doesn't immediately bring peace, even though he's called the Prince of Peace. In fact, he tells his disciples, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. And that in the immediate future of Christ's coming, He does not bring peace, but the powers that reign over this earth, the prince of the power of the air of this world, wants to destroy his work. And so he will fight him at every possible step. And so that we find that the way to peace, the way to God's victory, has to happen through the conflict because the enemy will not have it any other way. Whenever God begins a new work in us, whenever God begins to do something new and creative and exciting, we find that the enemy is right there to destroy it. So that when you find that there is friction, there is a rub, you will find oftentimes that there is Satan there. And that these powers, these struggles have been there the whole time, but have now started to exert themselves at the most inopportune times. And I, see, I think that we see this a lot with Christmas. When we have this peaceful time, conflicts start erupting where there seemed to be a peace. So I, I heard a study this week where death by cardiac arrest spikes twice in the winter, once around Christmas, once around the new year, once when we are most around our family, have the most pressure to provide and give gifts, and once when we begin a new chapter in our lives. And these conflicts can erupt in different ways, whether it's the estranged family that have kept apart long enough to keep peace but now to be brought back together, whether it's these class dynamics within your own family where you have one person who is this conspicuous spender and wants to show you by giving a gift, a gift that you cannot possibly reciprocate. And by, calling attention, by that calling attention that you don't have what they have, you're not as successful as they, have the, uh, they, they are. These tensions arise. But they have been there just under the surface the whole time. But the way you have to handle these things 
is not by allowing them to stay put, stay quiet, and not disturb them. That's the way you get these kind of passive-aggressive fights. And when you run away from the, the conflict, you're just going to end up with a minefield where you're afraid to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. It has to happen where you set something off, and you have to oftentimes go where the conflict is. Because it's in the conflict that God is doing his work. Where Satan is attacking, you find that is where God is doing something new and beautiful in your life. So the way to peace through the conflict, first of all, is by tracking the conflict. It's looking where the attack is. Where are you being attacked? Where is the friction? Wherein lies the rub? Where do... Where do things happen? Look for patterns. Don't back away from it. Pursue it. Where do these things keep happening? Look for bigger patterns. Look for the same issues that keep arising. So me, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad. Most of you have met my very, very extroverted child. She, she is wonderful, and I love her. And she is, she's creative. She is charismatic. She's friendly. She'll like wave to anybody. We're like driving. Hey, it's like, he's not even, he's not even looking at you. I'm sorry, kid. Is it, but he, but she's just got so much energy and, and it's amazing at times and other times it's like, can't you just settle down, buckle down, get it together just for a minute. And I feel in my heart a frustration sometimes. And so I started look, looking into parental advice from different sources, audiobooks, podcasts. And one thing that I found that was interesting is that when you find yourself reacting emotionally to your child, and I think this is probably good advice with anything, if you find, where is this feeling coming from? Where is this coming from? Journal it. Keep a notepad by your bed. Write from the emotion, not about it, not about what you're feeling, write from it. And it's not going to happen the first time. You're going to have to do this several nights. Journal it. Write it out. Write it out. Write it out. Write it out. Where is this coming from? Why, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep feeling this way? Why do these feelings keep happening? And I, I found with myself that a lot of times where I was feeling frustrated with her, I was feeling frustrated with myself. Because like her, I was, I was a hyper kid. I, uh, I, know, I know it's hard to tell with like how calm and serene I am right now that there was ever any problem with ADHD, but it was there. I promise you, I was on Ritalin for a little bit. It was not a good thing. So I found that a lot of the talk that I was giving her, if I listened to myself in my inner voice, was there for me. That I was telling myself, why can't you just buckle down? Why can't you just deal with your emotions? Why can't you just settle down and do this, do the thing? And I found myself most explicitly this happening this week when I had quite a bit of stuff going on for myself and I just could not settle down to do the work. There was all this nervous energy within me. I just didn't know what to do with it. So I gave myself the same advice I would give my kid. I went out. I was in that office. I left. I'm sure this is on like video somewhere if you want to see it. 
I exited out of that there, ran around this whole building, went right back there about where that wreath is, did push-ups and sit-ups so I could actually get some energy out to do the work. And this is the same kind of advice I would give my kid. If you have this energy, find something active, get, be active, get the workout. And, but it was only because I had done the work of tracking this conflict. Where is this happening? Why am I feeling this way? That God was able to do work both in her and in me. That I was able to see myself in her and see me in her so that I could give, I, I could give the emotional support to her I needed to have the emotional healing that I needed so that I could best be the best father, be the best worker, be the best person I could. But it is only when we look at where is the enemy attacking, tracking the conflict, where is the dragon heading that we see that God is about to birth something beautiful in us and through us. Because where the fight is, there the miracle is too. But you need to be able to hone your senses and to keep on guard and keep watch. Because a lot of times what we find is that while we are doing the work of God, while we're going along, we find that there is a snake at our heel ready to bite. In part of the part of the passage I didn't read, John says that this serpent, this dragon that is pursuing the woman and the child is the same serpent who led astray the, wor um, the world at the beginning. And that we see, when we look at the bigger patterns, we see that the connection between things that have gone on since before we were born, and we could see things that continue to go on in our lives now, that the small things that we let into our lives that I can look, but I won't touch. The, the strongholds that we let into our lives because we got busy and we got sloppy become more powerful. And so that the tiny snake becomes a mighty dragon in our lives. So that while we at our work for God, we find that we have to be most on our guard and we have to watch our step Watch where we go and watch what we're doing because the enemy is there roaring as a lion ready to devour us. Right. So years ago, I was with a college group and we were, uh, I was a communications journalism major in undergrad and we went to Europe to kind of visit, you know, we went to London, we visited the BBC, we went to... Um, we went to France, Paris, France, to visit an art magazine. And, you know, we were able to go to some stops along the way. We had a great tour guide. She was, she was wonderful. But I, I got a little, uh, I needed a little space from the, the people who were with me because they just, like, we would go out. They would, like, we wanted to eat. They would look for, like, a McDonald's. And, like, it was the typical, like, American tourist thing, right? So they would look for a McDonald's in Paris. And it was like, I, I just can't do it. I mean... They, they, do, they do different stuff over there, um, but 
it's not that interesting. We went to the Louvre, and they were like, oh, the Mona Lisa is not as big as I thought it was going to be. So I was like, I, I need to get away from these people. So one night, we had the cards where we could take the metro anywhere. We uh, like, you didn't have to pay each time because we had, we had paid in advance. So I was like, I had this really ill-advised idea. Remember what I said earlier about me having the best idea sometimes? <laughs> so I, I had this really ill-advised, not well-conceived idea that I was going to take the train and just look at Paris. I don't speak French at all. That's an important thing to realize in this. I don't speak French. I was like 160 pounds. I wasn't going to like defend myself that well. So I was like just trusting that everything's going to be okay because I'm, I'm a college student. I'm an idiot. So I, so I go and I'm just like getting off of metro stops and I'm like, I wonder what this is. For one stop, I get, uh, I get off and I'm just kind of walking around and I was like, oh, this... Uh, some of the businesses around here are kind of salacious. And I realized, I'm in the red light district, aren't I? <laughs> and I look over, and there's this woman flagging me down. She says, hello, sir, in English. And I'm like, not today, Satan. I turn around, and I run back to the metro stop. And I flee from danger. But you have to be on guard at all times because you will... You can take the wrong step, and before you know it, you have found yourself somewhere that you never meant to be. That's good. That's good. So you have to keep watch at all times, keep guard at all times, because the dragon is waiting to consume you when you are about the Father's business. So that is why you have to tune your ear to the word of God. So we saw in the passage that I read from Matthew that when the enemy was about to strike, that Joseph had a dream that warned him that, there, um, that Herod was planning on killing Mary and, and Jesus. So he had to flee. And sometimes there are dreams and sometimes there are other ways that the Spirit can speak to us to, to open our minds and open our eyes to the things, to the spiritual realities that are going on behind the scenes. Sometimes this is with another person. That's why it's good to surround yourself with good godly people because sometimes God can speak to um, you through the voice of another. And sometimes he does use spiritual ways to open our eyes to the realities behind the things that we're going through. So one, one way this happened to me, uh, I had a, whenever I was nine years old, it, it was the first time I, I lost somebody who had been in my life. My dad had uh, started working with a pastor of a, uh, in, in Ohio as a young adult pastor. And this guy had t kind of taken us in. He was mentoring my dad. He was really good with kids, so he connected with me and my sister really well. He, and I didn't realize at the time, because I was nine, how, just how young 44 was. But I, I do now. <laughs> and he was driving somewhere. His car goes off the road. I think he fell asleep. He hits a tree. Airbag goes off. Instead of absorbing his impact, it throws his head to the window, he dies instantly. Suddenly, a godly figure, godly man, mentor, 
in my life who have been doing the work of God is just gone. And that night, I had this dream where I was pursued by three dragons. And their names were Satan, Demon, and Sin. And they pursued me all through the night until right before I awoke, I was saved by the light of God. And in, in one way we talked about it then is like, obviously this is just me trying to process these things in my mind. I was a kid, I knew dragons, but now I'm more convinced than I was that this was a way of opening my eyes to the spiritual realities behind what was going on in my life. That in fact, death is rooted in the demonic power, that it is rooted in sin, even if it's not just our individual sin, but it is a foreign power that has taken over God's world. And we find out in Revelation that it too will be destroyed in the end, that death is the last enemy to be destroyed. And so I found my eyes opened to the reality behind the reality. And if we listen, if we remain in God's word, if we abide in prayer, our eyes can be opened with revelation eyes that we can see the things going on behind it, that this isn't just about this one thing. It's about something bigger. So we have to be in tune with the word. And so we find that there is a reality behind the reality, but there is a reality even deeper still. That behind the truth of the conflict in our life, that there is a deep, even deeper truth that is the victory of God in Christ Jesus. If the band will come to the front, please start playing. When I was in, in college, I, uh, I had dropped out for a while to work because I had no direction in my life whatsoever. I had no idea what I was doing. And so I took a semester off and just worked. And around the, uh, the holiday season, I took one of those jobs in retail in the mall. Yeah, you know those. So I was working in a music store in, in the mall, and I, I, my first day was the Saturday, uh, uh, the next day after Black Friday. So there is just all sorts of chaos going on outside in the world. There was a literal fight that happened in the, uh, in the um, food court area, and everyone rushed around it like, like we were in middle school or something. And we like, closed the, sh- the, the shop so people couldn't steal things. It was chaos going on everywhere, and I found chaos in my own heart as well because I didn't know where I was going. I was three months away back from dropping out of school, and three months in the future, I would make a decision that would lead to other decisions that would lead me into vocational ministry. But I was at a crossing point, and I found as 
the fighting died down, I went out into the mall after it closed, and I could hear music. It must have been going on the whole time, but I could hear the music of Christmas still going on after the fighting had ended. And so we find beneath the bubbling conflict there's an even deeper reality. And that Christmas in its message continues and it prevails beyond the conflict. And that through Christ Jesus God has crushed the head of the serpent. And that victory is assured that after the beasts and the dragon are slain, we have a new creation and a new city coming down from heaven. And this morning, God wants to begin a new creation in you. So if you're here this morning, you know that these patterns keep emerging in your life and you want to be awakened to the spiritual strongholds in your life. We're here to pray for you. That God will open your eyes and give you victory. Join Pastor Shane of Covenant Life Church next time for another powerful and inspirational message. To find out more about Covenant Life Church, log on to www.covenant-life.com or call 919-462-1932. Remember, living life without direction is meaningless. Living a purpose life with direction from Jesus Christ is your life fulfilled.